Awesome. Uh, I'll be preaching today in Galatians chapter 3. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to Galatians chapter 3. Now, we will be reading it in a while, but um, before we start, we, you all know that Dave is, uh, he's not struggling, okay? That's why he's not here, you know, but uh, he's in Brisbane at the moment. He's uh, in a uh, spa leadership um, meeting, uh, so please pray for that meeting. And also, we have a few situations or, or you know, I think Chris uh, touched on it earlier on. Um, we, uh, unfortunately, uh, um, John and May, uh, May lost their baby um, uh, four months uh, uh, yesterday, I believe. Um, so uh, please continually pray for them. Um, they, it's, 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 we can never, I guess, you know, appreciate or we can never uh, understand how much pain that is if you have not gone through that, gone through that. But um, do pray for that. But one specific instruction is that uh, the Gabukans actually uh, brought the kids, their kids here. So uh, John and May um, have not told them yet, have not spoken to them yet. So if you see them, uh, Marcus uh, and um, Chloe, um, obviously they're just kids, but Marcus is a little bit older. Uh, you know, just uh, don't ask them anything uh, at this point. They don't know it yet. They're, they're just waiting for that um, proper time. Um, so as a family, let's really support them. Uh, thank you so much for those who have um, taken time to, to, to prepare meals for them. Uh, I'm pretty sure some are still uh, doing that. Um, so if you do want to share or, or serve in that way, uh, please approach um, uh, Abhijit, oh. Sarah. Sarah and Abhijit, or either one. Um, uh, if you want to, to contribute to dinner or, or lunch or, or food, amen? Um, my wife's not here. My wife is sick right now as well. Um, so we're going to pray right now. So we're going to pray for uh, uh, the Watsons. My wife, any, anything else that you guys wanna, uh, want us to pray for? This is not a, you know, I'm not asking for a prayer list of... 100, but all right, okay, just the more important ones, I guess. Well, everything's important. Let's pray, dear Father. We're grateful um, because we uh, have you as our Father, as our Lord, as our Master, as someone who is in control. Our, our, our Father, God, you you know every single thing that happens around us, Father God. You 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 protect us, you guide us, you you lead us towards um, uh, your pasture, Father God, and and we are just so grateful because uh, we are protected by you. And you even even sent angels to protect us and, and to guide us, Father God. It's not that you can't do it because you're everywhere. But, it, it, you know, you, you've allowed us, Father God, to appreciate just your protection, Father God, under your umbrella, Father. I just really pray that you please be with us. And, you know, just like what Chris mentioned earlier on, there's so many things happening in the world uh, that we want to pray for, Father God. And... You know, we, we ask that you please be with those who are uh, suffering at the moment, Father God, in Fiji and, 
and also those who, whose, who, uh, whose family member uh, uh, was, was killed in that massacre, Father God, in Florida. And, and, and yet so many things are happening, Father God. But we also want to especially uh, pray for um, John and May and, and the Watson family, Father God. And I pray that you please be with them, strengthen them at this time. Um, put your insights, your heart in their hearts and in their minds, Father God. Help them to really see it the way you see it and help them to really just trust you during this time, Father God. And I pray that as a family, we will reach out to them, Father. I pray for those who are sick at the moment um, uh, that you please heal them, especially my wife. And I pray that you will strengthen each and every one of us and help us to, to be extra giving and extra encouraging towards one another, especially when, when others are going through challenges, Father God. Thank you so much again. Please use this time um, to glorify your name. We love you and we thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so uh, we have been studying and preaching and learning about Galatians, where the premise of the letter by Paul was that some of the Galatian Christians were being swayed by teachings coming from other Christians of Jewish backgrounds. Uh, we've mentioned that a few times uh, already. So, um, as uh, again was mentioned last week or maybe a couple of weeks ago, Gentiles got converted not because they followed the law, but because they believed in the message that Jesus is the Messiah. From the book of Acts, Acts chapter 10 specifically, um, we can see that Peter had a vision uh, when he was on the rooftop about all the different animals which was considered unclean for Jews. It happened three times and he was not sure what it was all about. This was the very first time Gentiles was converted, were converted. Then some soldiers sent by a centurion named Cornelius arrived because they were sent because of a vision or a message that Cornelius also saw and heard. So Peter went with them and upon arrival he made sure that they know that the Jews were not supposed to mingle with Gentiles. He also mentioned that God told him that it's okay anyways. So Cornelius started sharing about his vision. And that at that point, Peter started preaching about Jesus. And as if God's still needing to convince Peter that it is perfectly okay to baptize the Gentiles, he sent his spirit to Cornelius and his whole household and started speaking in tongues. Okay? Let's imagine the scenario here. Peter grew up as a Jew, never wanting to associate with a Gentile. But he got a vision, and you know, to, to, it's, that it's okay, right? And he preached the word. At that point, he would have, it happened three times. And you know in the Bible, when, when something happened three times, it's like God is trying to convince you, right? So he was trying to convince Peter that it's okay to talk to these guys and baptize them. You know? And uh, he was sort of convinced, so he went there, he went to the Gentile house, and he started uh, he listening about the, the message uh, from the angel that Cornelius uh, heard, and, and then he, he shared the message. And at that point, it's as if God was saying, what are you waiting, Peter? Baptize them now. Coming from a Jewish background, he probably still had a little bit of apprehension whether this is really true or not. Then God said, you know what, I'll give them the spirit to convince you even more that it's not about following the law that will save them. It's about me and my grace. Are you guys with me? 
You gotta understand that in the Bible, when miracles happen, it supports the message. It's like saying that God's hand was in the message. You know, at that point, they were talking about, uh, and, and, and they spoke in tongues. They understood, they, they know that they spoke in tongues. It was understandable tongues, not the, the kind of speaking in tongues that most of us probably have experienced in the past in our religious days where we hear people speaking in tongues but we never really understood what they were saying. But here in this scripture, it talks about you know, them speaking in tongues. Tongues that, that probably even... Uh, you know, him being a Greek, it, it, I don't know what it was, but it's probably Hebrew or Aramaic or something that the Cornelius would never probably know. But then it was a miracle that the Spirit came to them and, and God establishing that, you know what, Gentiles can be baptized as well. You know, I think that's why I believe personally that speaking in tongues uh, right now should never happen. You know, the reason why is because the Bible, the reason why they're speaking in tongues, there's a purpose there. So that the gospel will be preached to those who do not speak Aramaic or Hebrew. But now the Bible has been translated, and according to Wikipedia, it has been translated... It's here. I just lost my note. It has been translated 600. Eh? <clears throat> that was another language. Did you understand it? It was, under, it was translated 670 languages already. The whole Bible. But the New Testament alone was translated into 5, uh, 1,521 languages. And some of the portions of the Bible and stories of it uh, into 1,121 languages. The stat was based on October 2017 stat. So most of the messages in the Bible had been translated. So in my mind, I go, maybe there's no more speaking tongues. I don't know. But it does make sense that there isn't. Because there shouldn't be because the, the gospel has been translated many, many, in many, many languages already. That is just a side point. You know, the reason why I mentioned this story again is because it will help us understand the context of the, verse that the, the verses that we will be looking at in Galatians chapter 3. We'll be reading in verse, uh, 14, oh, verse 1 to 14. You know, but we all know from Galatians 1 up to Galatians chapter 2, you know, at the very first, you know, Dave did say that, you know, uh, they, the letter gr greeted them, you know, praise be to God. And, you know, but right away he expressed his emotion. I am astonished. You know, it's like, it's like just imagine having fellowship with Brendan and say, Hey, Brendan, man, good to see you. I'm astonished, brother, that you have, you know, it's like, you know, not, not even, you know, having a, a pre-conversation. Uh, you know, but, but it's interesting when you look at, when you probably graph the emo, Paul's emotion when he was writing the letter. At first it's like, whoosh, and then he started explaining about how, who he was, how he got converted, and how he came to, 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 to Jerusalem and talked to, to uh, the, the super apostles. In fact, he, he, he took Titus along. And then he said, he, he basically gathered the, the, the esteemed apostles and did, he, he, he mentioned or he shared about the lesson that he was preaching to the Gentiles. 
And you know, I guess it's more like a peer review if you if you know about peer review. You know, it's like let me let me just check whether I'm I'm actually running the correct race here, or maybe I'm preaching something that is totally different from what they were preaching. And just to be sure that he's he's actually totally preaching the same thing, he took Titus along because Titus is Greek. So he presented the message, and, and, and nobody actually uh, said that, you, got, you know what, you are not preaching the right message to the Gentiles. You should preach about circumcision. Hence, Titus, you need to be circumcised. No, nothing like that happened. You know, Titus was there, and they were okay about it. You know? So he was just behooved. Like, he's, he's just... It, it didn't, it, he couldn't understand why the Galatian uh, disciples, who were already saved, were still accepting the message that they have to follow this particular law in order for them to stay saved. It's interesting. That's no matter, you know, no wonder the emotion is like, I, I am astonished. I am surprised. I cannot understand it. Can you please help me understand this? That was the emotion that he was feeling. And then he went on to explain that. And then in chapter 3, the emotion came back. Are you guys still, still with me? In verse 1. You foolish Galatians! Who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Have you experienced so much in vain if it really was in vain? So again I ask, does God give you His Spirit and work miracles among you by the works of the law or by, you, by your believing the, uh, what you heard? So also Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who have faith are children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, curses everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God because the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says the person who does these things will live by them. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming the, a curse for us. For it is written, curses everyone who is hung on the pole. He redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus, so that by faith we might receive the promise of the Spirit. That's what happened in Acts chapter 10. They did not have to be circumcised. They didn't have to listen to the law and follow the law. The Spirit was just given to them. So, you know, Paul was astonished and this long narrative and then he got you foolish Galatians at this point he said it's like saying enough of the narratives you know if I'm going to paraphrase the scripture you say it's saying who tricked you into believing before your very eyes or look no doubt about Jesus being crucified 
You know, help me understand this. Do you have to go through the whole Pentateuch and make sure you followed every single one of the 600 plus laws first, then receive the Spirit? Even more foolish. You got what you needed already. You are still trying to attain it through your flesh. We are all the things he suffered in faith. Were they all in vain? And Paul was saying, let me ask again, did God recognize your works when you received the Spirit? Was there even, you know, or, or was it because you believe in what you heard? Isn't that how Abraham became righteous? Was there even the, uh, the law that existed during his time? Think about it. Was the law even created at, during Abraham's time? It was only after 430 years that when the law was created. But when did Abraham actually, where, where did he find out about God? Where did he find out about that, you know, giving that a tenth to Melchizedek? It was by faith, not by law. Even the, 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 you know, the portion of giving the tenth, nobody commanded him. It was just because of by faith. You know, look, Abraham was not even considered a Jew at that time. You can also argue um, that everyone was considered a Gentile during that time. Are you guys still with me? So obviously Paul was upset. He was upset, I believe, towards the leaders who had been preaching the wrong uh, gospel, but not more so towards the Christians who allowed themselves to be swayed by this. So in chapter 3, and the title of my message is, No More Beating Around the Bush. Let's get to the point, basically. I want to be direct to the point. That's what Paul uh, is probably saying here. So point number one, there's no point towards, towards this pointless effort. Pointless. It won't matter. It won't gain any, you won't gain anything from it. It doesn't make sense. You know, I look at the, the, the word foolish in the Bible. Oh, not in the Bible. But, uh, in Wikipedia again. Or dictionary. Lacking good sense or unwise. Pointless. To what end are you doing this? You know, I personally don't know what the Jews were thinking. I guess I needed to be like a Jew or in their shoes to, for me to understand. But Paul knew he was a Jew of Jews. What was Paul's argument? The very fact that no one was ever circumcised before becoming a Christian or was even told after baptism, bar Timothy, uh, but that's uh, an outlier case, to follow that particular Jewish tradition. The very practice of it becoming saved does not make sense. For Paul, he was saying, look, you're already saved. Why are you still trying to attain salvation through circumcision? For us as Christians today, we can still fall into this, but in an ever so subtle way. You know, we have our church culture here today, and if you are not careful, we can put our Christianity in a box. One of the things I appreciate in our church is that for the things we, now, we know and we have convictions about regarding salvation, we never change that. That is black and white in the Bible. Are you guys with me? Yeah. But for the things that are outside of that, hence a matter of opinion, we open it up to come up with the best action or practice forward. 
But sometimes when one, of, one may have a deeper conviction or strong opinion about something which is normal due to our backgrounds, or maybe the things that we often look at, or our family, or the, the, the things that we read, um, we can elevate them higher than what we should have been, than what, than what should have been really important. That is when division starts. We can become unforgiving towards one another, then start becoming critical, then falling out in our relationship. That happens in, a, you know, in the church, but it also, interestingly, happens in, in marriages as well. Uh, the very core institution God created. For us, husbands and wives, there are just things that are more important than others. And you are different, husband and wife. Yeah. Sometimes, though, one would like for his or her spouse to be like him or her so that there will be no more problems. <laughs> Isn't that sometimes we, we don't, we probably don't say it, but we murmur it, you know, or, I, I hope he's like, I hope she's like me, you know. You know? Um, that's why you love each other, because you are different. Yeah. Yeah, you know, um, even physically, just look at each other physically, you know. Don't, don't ever wish your spouse will be like you. You don't know what you're wishing for. <laughs> <laughs> to, to illustrate, what if you turn to your spouse right now and actually, actually see a person that looks exactly like you? You're like, hi, honey. Ah! <laughs> I don't want you! I want my wife who's different. You see the point? You know, sorry, I, I digress from the point. <laughs> but I hope the digression wasn't pointless. Because the point is, there's no point towards pointless effort. Sorry, there's probably only one point that has many points on it. Pointless effort! Why do it? Why go through it? Why even consider it? Yeah. As you probably sense, Paul's indignation was so evident. This thing that you did. Look, Christians, you, you guys are baptized. It's like Paul. You, know? you guys are baptized already. Come on. Why do you need these? You don't need them. You, you got the spirit, you know, because, because of God's decision, because of God's grace. You believed. You don't have to. So yes, okay, the point, uh, another side point is that there will always be people telling you that uh, the, the gospel is like this or like that or, or you should do this or that. But not until you have your own conviction about it, you, you will always get swayed by, 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 by teachers. You have to have deep, solid conviction about what salvation is all about. So the challenge is this. When it comes to salvation, solidify your conviction. Nothing more, nothing less. That is black and white in the Bible. You know, if you are visiting or have been visiting for quite some time, let me respectfully ask you, to inspire you to ask yourself maybe, what is really your conviction about salvation? Do you even have one? Is it that important to you? If not, why is it not important? Maybe other things are more important to you. You know, my wife was sharing when, when she was uh, first attending church 
um, for a while, before she became a Christian, at one point, the preacher says, you, asked, you said you were a Christian and that you believe in God, but where were you last night? At that point, she got convicted because she realized she was in sin last night. You said you're a Christian. You said you believe in God. You said you know and, and, and understand righteousness. What happened last night? And has it been happening? What happened last week? If, if you don't have a conviction about it, maybe that's, if you're a Christian, maybe that's the kind of circumcision you need to have to cut it off. To cut off whatever it is that is making you struggle. We all do struggle, right? I'm not perfect. I, my disciples, my, my friends that are close to me know it. But, you know, we've got to be open about these things and, 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 and allow help from other people. And if you've been visiting with us and you're studying the Bible, or you probably have not studied the Bible yet, what are you waiting for? Don't be, I want to be a church on, on your right foot, and then I want to be in the world on the left foot. That cannot happen. That shouldn't happen. You know why? It's disrespectful towards the cross of Jesus, which brings me to my second point. Remember the point on which you believed. I think the point at which some of the Galatian Christians start getting convinced by some leaders preaching circumcision was when they forgot about the point on which they first believed. What was that point? The cross of Jesus. Yeah, that's right. Let me ask you, if you had been focusing on the cross of Jesus every single day and every single time you interact with anyone, Christians or non-Christians, what kind of interaction would, would they be like? What kind of life would you live? How much grace would you extend? How much joy would you show? How much love would you express? How much peace would you, ha- would you have? That came from a song. How much servitude would you exert? How much desire to be with the church equally with those you are reaching out to so they can know the cross of Jesus? How encouraging would you be if in every single day you just focused on the cross of Jesus? How much life, how much your life will be different today? I guess for us, let's just, uh, we need to look at the cross once again. You know, it's the narrative of God's love towards us. Since the beginning of time, God desires to show how much he loves us so that we will eventually decide to love him back. Somebody asked me, um, why I think it's one of my office mates. He said, why did, why did God allow these things to happen in, in the church? You know, specifically we were talking about the ch- some church situations. And, um, and, 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 and I think the reason why is because God loves us so much that he gave us um, our own decision. You know? If he said, 
why not God make people love him? Well, that's not love, right? Because it's not based on a decision. And, and, and love really is a decision. And, and when you talk about decision, it's, it's a point where you, you change. You, you, you decide at that point. Uh, now, you can be so, um, what's the word? Harsh, pedantic? or You can be so strict that it doesn't matter what you feel at that point. Whether you're down or out or, you know, you're happy or sad or whatever. You just basically decide. Why do you decide? Because the decision is based on your love. And love is not an emotion only. Are you guys with me? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And, and you, you know why we have vows during the wedding? It's because that's the only time when the emotions are so high and the other person will definitely say yes. <laughs> You know, wow. I love my, was, my husband. I love my wife. But what if the emotions are gone? Will you still decide? But interestingly, the decision is based on your vow to love God. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And, and because you know that you've made a vow that you're going to love God no matter what, when I, when, you know, when, it's like no matter what, at the point where we're about to be baptized, we are also we also have that high emotion, and we're like, no matter what happens, I'm going to stay faithful to you, God. And then somebody said something to you at church that you didn't like, and then something in the church happened that you didn't totally agree with, and then the leader preached something that was kind of wrong would you still decide to love God but God gave us that power you know he wants to express his love and the cross of Christ is the culmination of that emotion of that of that instance that point the focal point you know, he chose the nation, allowed them to enjoy Egypt, but they were enslaved. Snatched them away by his powerful hand. Led and protected them in the desert. Gave them his laws. You know, hoping, I believe, that they would capture his heart, not just follow his rules. Led them to the promised land. Set them as a nation. They sinned, but God forgave them. All those times, I believe, God wants to constantly express his love. You know, one of the scriptures that I really love was in Isaiah when he said, How can I give you up a frame? How can you, I hand you over, Israel? How can I treat you like Adma? How can I make you like Zeboye? My heart is changed within me. All my compassion is aroused. God tried to win them over and over many times. Then his son was born. Exciting times. Then his son was crucified. It hurts. But it's worth it. At the foot of the cross, we see the love of our almighty God. Why would God do it? It doesn't make sense. Who are we? Who are you? Who am I to deserve such love? I do not understand it. But I get it. I get the point. Let us not forget the point on which we believed. The challenge in this point is laser point focus on the cross every day. We need to enjoy our relationship with God. Amen. Yeah. We have probably failed this week. 
Can I see a, a show of hands who did not fail this week? Uh, can I ask it again? <laughs> okay. Um, all of us have failed this week, you know. But, you know, focus on the cross. At the foot of the cross, there's no leader, there's no male, there's no female, there's no singles, there's no marriage, there's no teens. We're all the same. You know. And here, it really, no beating around the bush anymore. Let's just get to the point. Laser point focus on the cross. Thank you.